Last week, we began together uh, this new series called Love Your Church, and uh, we're, we're looking at different aspects of life together in God's family that He's called us to, and the blessing that it is to be called the, the church, the family of God. Last week, we were talking about belonging, uh, this new family that God has called us to, what it means to belong, to be a part of that, and the blessing that it is. This week, we're going to be thinking about welcoming. What does it mean to be a welcoming people? Next week, we'll be looking at gathering, and then the, the weeks ahead, caring and serving and honoring and witnessing and sending. This week, welcoming. Uh, so this week, I, I was at uh, General Synod for the Church of Ireland. If you want to know what that is, I'll tell you afterwards. Um, it's not the most exciting thing that happens, but it's a meeting that happens once a year for representatives that come from all across Ireland, in the Church of Ireland, uh, clergy and lay, in order to deal with the wider issues of the church. I've been uh, on Synod for a few years now, but one thing that happens every year, which I really appreciate, is that we are given name badges, and we're encouraged to wear those badges every day uh, through Synod for this, a three-day meeting. Uh, and the reason is obvious, because we come from all over the island, whilst we might recognize faces, we don't know who everybody is. Uh, it's impossible. Uh, and so, uh, as we get together from all arts and parts, from all different kinds of backgrounds and professions and stories, wearing those name badges helps to break down barriers and helps us to get to know one another better. On a number of occasions, I found myself in conversations with people I had not met before, but who either recognized me from, from meetings that we'd been at or through a photo on the internet or something else, uh, or as I walked past, they, they saw my name badge and they said, well, who are you? And then we got into a conversation because there was the, the name, and, and, and I saw their name, and, and, and we got to know one another uh, better and more easily. The name tag helped break the barrier. Uh, of course, there's always those who decided that they'd rather not wear their name tag or who had mysteriously left theirs at home. But as I was saying last week, there's something deep down in all of us isn't there a desire to know and to be known, to love and to be loved, to care and to be cared for. I came across uh, the name of this guy called Scott Ginsburg this week. Uh, he's called the name tag guy because he took this interesting decision after he graduated from university. He decided uh, that he was going to wear a name tag for the rest of his life. And he wears a name tag 24-7. He's even got a name tag with Scott on it tattooed on his chest. So even as he sleeps at night, he's got a name tag on. Uh, this is how it happened. Uh, he was at this w event one day where everybody is wearing name badges. Uh, and at the end of the event, he noticed that as everybody was leaving, they were taking their name tags off and they were putting them in the bin. And as they were throwing them away, as they were going out, Scott looked and he, he thought, I I'm going to do something different. He decided that he was going to keep his name badge on for the rest of the day wherever he went. And you know what happened? As he encountered people along the way, people were friendlier to him. People started talking to him. He said even a few good-looking girls said hello to him. That was quite nice, actually, he thought. What would happen, he thought, if I did that every day? 
And that's what he's done every day since November the 2nd, 2000. And unbelievably, he's been able to build a whole business and make a living as a result of being the name tag guy. He's devoted his whole life to encouraging people to become friendlier and more approachable. Unbelievably, through conversations that developed as a result of his name tag, he ended up being written about in several national newspapers in the United States. He was interviewed on big programs like CNN News Channel, recognized as the world's foremost expert in name tags. Imagine that being your title. He was recognized by various news outlets and everything else. And as a result of all of his efforts, Scott has become a much sought-after speaker and consultant for organizations from churches to Fortune 500 companies. And when he gets a chance to speak to people, uh, listen to what he says about how we can be more welcoming. He makes two main points. Go beyond the door. If you want to be more welcoming, the real welcome is not a job performed by greeters at the door, but it's an action that extends to every space in the organization. Secondly, he says, talk to strangers, extending welcome to the the new guy, as he calls them, according to Ginsburg. It's nothing more than practicing the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Talk to strangers. I was thinking about that as I was preparing my thoughts for this morning. What if we could all become a little bit more like that? I mean, we don't all have to wear name tags 24-7 or get our names tattooed to our chests. Uh, I don't think Scott would encourage that necessarily. But what if we took to heart the welcome that stands behind the gesture of the name tags? What if every one of us became welcomers? What if we became a church made up of people who were known for their welcome? Now, I I want you to hear what I'm saying here. I think we're already quite a welcoming church in the sense that uh, we have welcomers on the door, and uh, as you come in, you receive a welcome. And I think most people would say that when they are with us, there's a sense that they are welcome in this place. My guess is that when you think of church, you feel the same way. But there's a problem with that. Uh, In his book called Becoming a Welcoming Church, Tom Reiner, uh, who's a consultant on these, these things, says this. He says, most people in most churches around the Western world, at least, think that they are actually more welcoming than they are. He does a survey for churches that he's asked to consult in, and he asked members of the church who have maybe been there for a while uh, how welcoming they think the church is. And nearly always they say, yeah, we're, we're really welcoming. And the reason for that is simple. It's because they feel welcome. They've got friends there, and maybe they know and experience what it means to be part of a loving church family that they've been a part of for maybe many years, and they themselves feel welcome, and that's great. And I really hope that that is the case for each and every one of us here today, that you feel welcome. But Rainer says this. He says, if you want to know how welcoming we are as a church, it's not about how welcome you feel. And I'm talking here for, to those who've been here for a while. Uh, it's about how welcome others feel who are not yet part of our church 
family. And that's a welcome that isn't just about what happens at the doors here on a Sunday morning, but it's so much more. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about welcome and makes it clear that being a welcoming people is absolutely core of who we are called to be as the church, the people of God. Paul tells us in Romans 15 verse 7 that we should welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. At the heart of the gospel message is a welcome for all, no matter who you are. We don't deserve it, but Christ welcomes us anyway. Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever, that is all who believe in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. All are welcome to believe. Again, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The starting point for Jesus is that all are welcomed to receive the peace and the new life and the presence of God that he he offers us through Jesus. We simply have to come to Christ. And having experienced that welcome for ourselves, Paul concludes his letter to the Romans challenging those who have believed to then welcome each other, to welcome others despite their backgrounds and their differences. Having received Christ's welcome for ourselves, we are to hold out that same welcome to others, inviting them to come and to experience the love of Christ as well. Or listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget how to show, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Imagine that. The the, the point that he makes is that if we have truly come to see Jesus for who he is, if we've accepted him as our Savior, as our Lord, as our King, if we've come to see that he's absolutely above all and that our lives are safe in his hands, then we will live for him. And living for him means having experienced his welcome, we welcome others. Having experienced his love, we show Christ's love and share it with others as well, especially to strangers who come among us, because you never know. A stranger may be an angel in disguise. John pulls all of these strands together in uh, our passage this morning and pointing to God's grand display of love towards us and sending his son, Jesus Christ, into our world so that through his death and resurrection, we can have forgiveness and new life in him. We're called to love as he's loved us. Dear friends, he writes, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. It's phenomenal. As we think about how we relate to other people, Christ's love sets the standard. It's sacrificial, giving up its own desires and preferences and wants and wishes in order to reach out the hand to to, to help to save the lost 
who can do nothing to save themselves. It's a love, a love at its finest, with no strings attached, reaching out with eternal, heartfelt welcome to all who will receive it. When we love one another like that, when we welcome others with the same kind of welcome that we have received from God in Jesus Christ, people see Jesus in us. His light shines through us and becomes a testimony to the good news of His saving grace. When we love and welcome others like that, we truly become that safe place that people need where people can find comfort and peace and hope, especially in times of uncertainty and pain. Showing and sharing that kind of love isn't easy. It takes sacrifice. It requires thoughtfulness and intentionality on our part to go the extra mile, to reach out to those around us. But it's so worth it because deep down, whether we realize it or not, we all want to experience that welcome and love and new life that Christ offers us. But having experienced it, we're told that we are then to become ambassadors of that welcome, to become ambassadors of, of that love to others as well. Meaning that when it comes right down to it, being a welcoming church isn't just about what happens on the door on a Sunday morning as you come in. It's so much more. When it comes to being a welcoming church, we're all on the welcome team. And our welcome begins well before anyone shows up on a Sunday. It begins when we're out there in your day-to-day lives. And then it continues long after we're here from week to week. Welcoming means going out there to bring others in to see Jesus. Because Welcome stands right at the heart of the great commission that Christ left us with, doesn't it? That we should go into all of the world making disciples of all nations, sharing Christ's love and good news and seeing people come to him. You can't do that sitting here on a Sunday. The kind of welcome that Christ tells us to go and offer is welcome with feet on it. It represents a whole new attitude that looks outward, not inward. Welcoming people uh, look beyond themselves. They think of serving others rather than being served as we invite them to, to come and see for themselves, to experience the good news and love of Jesus Christ for themselves. And in that sense, a welcoming church is a going church. So as we become more welcoming. As we go, what will that look like? Well, let me give you some examples. Firstly, when you're out and about talking to others and speaking of the church, when you talk about St. Mary's, how do you talk about St. Mary's to your friends? Is the picture that you paint of our church family here one that would make them more or less likely to want to come and see for themselves. Secondly, do you actively invite people to come along with you to church on a Sunday or to various meetings that we hold or to events that we put on or organizations that we run here? Uh, Do you actively invite people? Are you welcoming people 
in? Is the picture that you paint of our church life together one that would cause someone to feel more or less like coming and joining us and checking us out? If we're honest with ourselves, I think this is something that we can all work on, either from the standpoint of the words that we say about our church or about other people who are here among us, or from the standpoint of being more open to inviting others to come and see, to join us when we meet. How warm is our conversation about St. Mary's? How warm is our invite to others? Secondly, uh, when we think about welcoming others, are we clear in our own minds? Do we make it clear with how we treat others and how we speak to others that everyone is welcome? No matter what your background, no matter what your job is, whether you're working or unemployed, whether your education came from a university or the school of hard knocks, whether you're old or young, whether your life is going okay or you feel it's falling apart, everyone is welcome. Whether you're facing difficult issues and life choices, whether you're married or divorced, whether your family relationships are healthy or there's a breakdown, whether you're from here or whether you're from a country far off or just from the other side of Belfast or whether you grew up here in Ballybean, whether you're able-bodied or struggling with some disability, whether you're struggling with life in some way mentally or financially or through addiction or whatever, no matter what your skin color, whether you're married or single, whether you're attracted to people of the opposite or the same sex. Is the message that you share with other people that you come across in your daily lives, even before they come through our doors, that you are welcome here? You are so welcome to the person in our community that's walking past or driving by on a Sunday who may be feeling absolutely broken by life. Maybe their marriage is on the rocks or they're just feeling empty or drowning under the weight of life's disappointments and disillusionments. And in the throes of despair, they're looking to end it all. When they drive by or whenever they think of St. Mary's, do they think of this being a place where they could get help where they would be welcomed no matter what they're going through. Because, of course, welcome doesn't stop at the doors. It happens afterwards as well. So, for instance, if someone you've invited comes along, picks up the courage, gives us a try, they join us for a service, once they've... uh, gotten across the door, what happens next? When you see a stranger in church, what's your first response? Is it to go and to speak to them and make them feel included? If we're honest with ourselves, uh, it's often easier to stay in our own little huddles or our own little worlds, uh, chatting with our friends and the people that we know. But think back to the first time that you ever came to St. Mary's. Who was it that came over and spoke to you? Who was it that came over and invited you in and made you feel warm and welcome and and included? I bet you remember a face, if not a name. Who was it? If it wasn't someone who brought you with them and then introduced you to their friends who were already here, 
It was someone else who saw you and went out of their way to come across the room and to introduce themselves and to make you feel welcome and at home. That's the first step. It's usually the hardest. But once we've broken the ice, a new relationship begins. And through Christian welcome and hospitality, we're no longer strangers If you see somebody alone in one of our gatherings at one of our church services, that is an emergency, people. Go over and introduce yourself. Introduce them to somebody else. Be part of God's great welcome team. Which brings us to hospitality. How are you at hospitality? When the writer of Hebrews is referring to being hospitable to strangers... Hospitality is it's a unique aspect of welcome that we can all be participating in to whatever degree we are able because hospitality is not just the tea and the coffee and the biscuits and the buns after the church service. That's great. That's important. But it goes way beyond that. Max Lucado uh, writes saying this. He says, not everyone can serve in a foreign land, lead a relief effort, or volunteer at the downtown soup kitchen, but who can't be hospitable? Do you have a front door, a table, chairs, bread and meat for sandwiches? Congratulations, he says. You just qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries, hospitality. Something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen here in church on a Sunday. In church at Sunday worship service, you see the backs of heads. Around a table, you see expressions on faces. In the service, one person speaks, but around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock. Around the table, there's time to talk. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community, he writes. It's no accident that hospitality and hospital come from the same Latin word, for they both lead to the same result, healing. When you open your door to someone, you are sending this message, you matter to me and to God. You may think you're saying come over for a visit, but what your guest hears is I'm worth the effort. And it's from that place of relationship that we then share the message of the cross of Christ, welcoming all to experience true life in his name. And of of course, hospitality continues as well into our life groups and into our other gatherings and get-togethers and events that we put on here as a church where that welcome continues and grows as together we experience uh, something of the Father heart of God radiating love in our midst. And that changes us. And that's the point, isn't it? At the end of the day, we all want to experience welcome ourselves. And as we learn to follow Jesus and are called to become ambassadors of the welcome that we have received in him, whether we've been here for four years or 24 years or 34 years or even longer, or whether we just showed up today, we want to feel like it matters that we're here, that this is home. We want to experience welcome ourselves, and then we want to be ambassadors of God's love and welcome to others as well. We want to extend the welcome that we have received to anyone who comes near here. We want to be a people who, with our words and with our lives, say to the world around us, you are so welcome in this place. Do you believe it? 
Are you with me? You are welcome. As the band comes up to lead us in a song uh, here just now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on the welcome that we have in Jesus Christ, we want to thank you that while we were still far off, you came to bring us home. Father, we thank you that we have a home here in your family. Help us to understand more of what it means to be a part of your church, your family, to have a home, a safe place to be, and to be a welcoming people who invite others in. In Jesus' name, amen.